Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Right, we are back here on Illegal Motion for conference preview number three. This time, it's our first Power Five group, the Pac-12. Um, I, as the uh, 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 only one of us who has a degree from a Pac-12 university, uh, get the honors of breaking down the conference. So, I believe it's pronounced Specific Twelve. Specific Twelve. Yes. All right. Well, um, I, I, I'm are, just going to get a job as an English teacher. <laughs> With puns like that, I'm not getting a job. Period. <laughs> Better hope your school you're interviewing at doesn't doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> or hope they start listening after the interview. <laughs> well, um, we'll we'll start here. Um, uh, I, I'm just going to run through uh, my predicted standings, then get a little bit deeper into it. Um, the North um, is uh, a has four really good teams, um, all of which have a decent shot of winning um, of winning the division. Uh, Washington is the uh, is the reigning champ, uh, not just of the division but of the conference as well. Um, if you remember, they made the uh, college football playoff last year and then got waxed by Alabama. Um, Stanford. Uh, is, uh, you know, a perennial power. I think that they uh, have some big things in store for this season as well in the post-McCaffrey era. Oregon has a new head coach. Washington State, I believe, uh, you know, another season under Mike Leach um, and another explosive offense. Uh, And then at the bottom of the North, Oregon State and Cal are, are not nearly the caliber of teams as everyone else around them. Um, in the South, uh, the South is sort of a one-team division. It's USC and then pretty much everyone else. So let's start with USC, though, because um, for a lot of people, they are the favorite in uh, not just the division, but the entire conference. Uh, you know, they have a preseason top 10 uh, ranking overall in the country. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious why. Uh, they are one of the most talented teams um, not just in the conference, but in the country. They have a uh, presumptuous number one overall pick in Sam Darnold back at quarterback for his redshirt sophomore season and a really good back behind him in Ronald Jones. Uh, they do have to replace uh, All-American wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster um, as well as three starters on the offensive hey, line. Hey, by the way, by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster is now on the uh, Bad News Burton's uh, dynasty team so just wanted to throw that out there oh the that's a keeper fantasy league i believe yes it's a dynasty league so you keep you keep everybody you only drop four people oh and so basically you just draft rookies and if somebody happens to drop somebody cool or good well uh well i'm glad to hear that uh mr uh smith schuster has found himself a, a nice home after moving on from uh, his place in the Coliseum. Um, but as good as the offense is, it's really going to 
go down, you know, how far they go, um, will, uh, at least offensively, will really be based on the offensive line. They have to replace three starters, um, including a couple of, of draft picks, and uh, it, it's incumbent on them to keep uh, Sam Darnold upright. He is not the most uh, mobile of quarterbacks, and so um, if they're not able to keep him upright, he's not going to have enough time to you know get the ball out to you know to those playmakers and let them get uh, you know let, let, let them do work in space. However, the defense at USC should be fantastic. They've got two potential All-Americans at linebacker and Porter Gustin and Cameron Smith, um, as well as former five-star Iman Marshall back at cornerback, as well as uh, he should be doing his uh, best Adore Jackson impersonation this year, doing some return, uh, some stuff in the return game, as well as in the defensive backfield, maybe even a little bit of wide receiver. He is a freak, freak athlete. Um, I though, I'm not quite as high as, uh, uh, on this USC team as a lot of people are. Um, you know, we all watched the Rose Bowl last year. It was one for the ages, but you know, even with all that talent, they need to be a little bit more consistent. Um, you know, like I said, big test for the offensive line, but, um, there are definitely still a couple question marks for this USC squad. Um, I don't know, Josh. You have anything uh, anything about SC that is intriguing you? Elite quarterback, even better than Jake Browning, who I absolutely love. So that pains me to say. I like that linebacker group, but I got to be honest. Pat, you you touched on that offensive line. Simply put, I don't think this OL is good enough to get USC to the playoffs. And in fact, I don't think it's going to be good enough to get past Washington. I still have the Huskies within the entire conference. All right. Um, well, um, you know, uh, let's stick in the South then before we head back to the North. Um, if, if USC is the presumptive favorite, um, they're, they're sort of a uh, – the middle tier is composed of UCLA, Colorado, and Utah. Um, Colorado is obviously coming off of uh, a really a dream season for them last year. But uh, their biggest loss is not a player, but it is, um, I think, the official defensive coordinator of Illegal Motion, Jim Levitt. Um, He is headed over to take over the reins for the defense at Oregon, a team we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, But, you know, they may be coming crashing back to reality very fast. Nine starters on defense also graduated. Yeah, that is going to be rough. Offensively, um, they should definitely still be able to run the ball. Uh, Returning four starters on the offensive line, uh, anchored by tackle Jeremy Irwin, um, as well as running back Philip Lindsay, who had uh, more than 1,250 yards on the ground. Um, as well as 53 catches. Um, uh, they did graduate Cepho Lufau, um, but quarterback, uh, sophomore quarterback Steven Montez should take over for him. Um, and we already know that he can run the ball. He had 135 yards on the ground last year against Oregon. But then again, I think, uh, Josh, you could have gotten a buck 50 against Oregon if, <laughs> even if you had an average offensive line. Um, uh, he, they've also got plenty of targets. Uh, maybe even the deepest receiving core in all of the Pac-12, uh, Shea Fields, Jay McIntyre, Devin Ross, 
and Bryce Bobo, um, all, you know, uh, all, you know, veteran pass catchers who should be able to, um, you know, uh, make this Colorado offense, maybe even take a step up from last year. Um, but the defense is going to take two or three steps back. And so that's why it's going to be a really, it, it's going to be an interesting season, absolutely, for uh, the Buffaloes. UCLA, um, this is a make-or-break year for Jim Mora Jr. Um, if he wastes another year of Chosen Rosen, I think all signs indicate that he is going to be out. Uh, he's going to be out in Westwood, um, and they will have to find someone else. They had a, you know, UCLA had a moment here in the last couple of years when things at USC were a little bit unstable, um, that they really could have taken control of Los Angeles. And uh, they squandered that opportunity a little bit. I mean, they got a once-in-a-generation talent at quarterback in Rosen, but they have not been able to get the consistency out of the rest of uh, out, of, out of the rest of that offense. A lot of people said that Rosen, you know, even took a step back last year. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with his junior season. He's another guy, along with Darnold and Josh Allen from Wyoming, who we've already talked about, that'll be in the mix for the number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year. Should he? Um, elect to uh, enter the draft. Um, uh, Utah, uh, Arizona, and Arizona State. Um, Arizona and Arizona State are, uh, they both suck. Um, <laughs> both their coaches on the hot seat. Um, and thus ends the Arizona and Arizona State portion of this preview. Um, Utah, you know, uh, Kyle Whittingham has been there since um, the Ford administration and, uh, in, in, you know, and he's not going anywhere. Um, it's going to be tough sledding for them this year. They've got a tough schedule, but, uh, they should be just fine, but it's, it's really USC and then everyone else in the South. Um, the North, however, is a completely different story. Uh, Josh, you mentioned Washington earlier and, um, they're, they're still great. They've still got, um, as long as Chris Peterson is at the helm, you're, you're going to have to have faith in this team. Um, they returned Jake Browning, a junior quarterback who you mentioned earlier, as well as his running mate in the backfield, Miles Gaskin, um, and uh, the anchor of the offensive line, Trey Adams. Um, the offensive line for Washington will be one of uh, one of the best in the conference alongside Washington State and Stanford, both of whom I will get to here in a minute. Uh, but their defense is absolutely stacked at every level. Um, they have hands down the best defensive line in the conference, led by Vita Vea and Greg Gaines, um, as well as linebacker Azim Victor. Um, even though they, just, they graduated three key contributors in the secondary, led by Buda Baker, um, I would not be, uh, you know, uh, I would not be surprised if whoever steps up in their spots in the defensive backfield is still really difficult to throw on. Um, Expect defensive coordinator Pete uh, Kwiatkowski to be in the mix for a lot of head coaching jobs after this season. Um, you know, uh, Josh, though, you mentioned how much you like Washington. Do you have anything to add there? Well, I think you hit a lot of the player stuff, so I'm just going to take a crack at their schedule because sometimes you need a little bit of luck, and Washington has it with their schedule. Frankly, it's an easy one outside of trips to Boulder and a farm. Because all the other teams they play, Utah, Washington State, and Oregon, all go to Seattle, and they avoid the crossover with USC. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that USC-Washington is the presumptuous title game. But if there is anyone who 
you know, for my money, um, uh, the team I am most interested in, I don't think they're necessarily the best, but the team I'm most interested to watch this year is Stanford. Mm. Not just because they have great uniforms. I was going to say mine was Oregon. And I, um, I, might, I might dovetail nicely. Yes. Well, um, I think we might get there next because um, for my money, if I were an AD and had got my choice to hire any coach in the country and I got to have him for the next 10 or 15 years, I think I'd choose David Shaw. Um, I don't think that there is a better leader of young men out there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, guys like Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, um, they have the pedigree of the national titles to back it up. But day in and day out, David Shaw impresses me as much as anyone else in the country. Um, but the biggest question there on the farm is obviously who's going to replace Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, one of the greatest players in the history of uh, in, in the history of that school, um, you know, he did it all for the Cardinal over the last two years. Looks like it's going to be junior Bryce Love who is going to um, really step up to replace McCaffrey. But either way, um, they're going to the, the Cardinals going to have to throw the ball a little bit more, air it out down the field. Um, Keller Christ um, should take over full time uh, behind center. The nephew of uh, Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ, he needs to really, like I said, drive the down, drive the ball down the field a little bit more than he did last season. Um, but uh, I, I think though his main target is not going to be a wide receiver, but will be uh, tight end uh, Dalton Schultz. Um, uh, on the other side of the ball, the defense is solid in every area, but especially at the secondary led by cornerback Quentin Meeks. Um, the Cardinal has have finished in the top 12 of the AP rankings in five of Shaw's six years at the helm. Um, you really cannot count them out ever. And uh, they get to host both Washington and Oregon this season um, in Palo Alto. So um, they'll also get uh, Notre Dame at home in their biggest non-conference game. Um, and their their toughest road game is at USC, but it's nice and early in the season. Uh, you know, so I, and quite frankly, that's as good a time as any to get USC, um, especially if they, before they really start rolling later on. But Josh, I'm curious what you have to say then about um, Stanford or Oregon. Okay, so for Stanford, you talk about their offensive line. They're amazing. Joey Alfieri at linebacker, love him. Oregon, though, offense, offense, offense. You know, Herbert, or Bay, whatever. However he wants to pronounce it, the quarterback is phenomenal. They have, like, every running back imaginable. All you really need to do is play a little bit of defense, and you know how I feel about Jim Lovett. So I think they'll improve there. But it's interesting. I actually have a different feeling I think you're kind of setting up this idea that Stanford's schedule is easier than Oregon's, but I was actually going to say the opposite um, because so they both have Washington. Oregon has to go to Seattle, so um, so obviously that's a little harder. They both have USC, UCLA, excuse me, and Oregon has to go to LA, so that's a little bit harder also. But with Utah, Stanford's in Salt Lake City. Uh, Stanford is in Pullman. And Stanford has USC, a team that Oregon avoids completely. And then when you look at their non-conference for overall uh, wins, Stanford has San Diego State and Notre Dame. And the San Diego State game is down in SoCal. Oregon just has Wyoming in the non-conference. Granted, that game's in Laramie, but I think Oregon might end up with more wins overall than, than Stanford. I, I think we're going to have to go to coach for a tiebreaker on this one. 
Morgan and Stanford. This is fun. Um, I, I think the difference in the tiebreaker is going to be that Stanford has 16 starters coming back. Uh, I think the, also the difference uh, that I, I think Stanford this year can win on the road. I, I think the only the only challenge in that tiebreaker between Stanford and Morgan is the fact that Stanford has to travel up to Austin, but Stanford has been known not to struggle too much in Austin Stadium. So, you know, you, you got to think that they're in good shape here. They've got a lot of experience. David Price really just kind of knows what to do, especially when he has a, a vastly experienced team. He tends to do better in other years. Uh, he, he's one of the coaches that – and I, I know I just sounded like John Madden just then. Hey, uh, what are you going to tell me next, coach, that the team that wins the most points wins the game? Uh <laughs> But, uh, no, in all seriousness, like, there's some coaches that it doesn't matter what they have coming back. They're going to be good. They're going to be solid. Uh, but for, for David Price, I think, you know, you, you see – You mean David Shaw favorite. there, Coach? David Price, I think, is pitching, is pitching uh, in Fenway Park these days. Am <laughs> I saying David Price? Hell, yeah. Yeah, David Price. Yeah, of course, when he gets a lot of experience going, he strikes out a lot of batters. Is this a baseball show? Did I stumble on the wrong podcast? Yeah, that I was. Were, I know you were thinking of Washington State's fantastic coach Mike Price. Oh yeah, the one that uh, <laughs> the one that lasted about a week at Alabama before he started visiting uh, adult establishments. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, no, uh, David Shaw. There you go, David Shaw. You know the head coach at Stanford, uh, the guy that that has him wear the cool all black uniforms every once in a while. Um, yes, them. Uh, you know, David Shaw, I think, honestly has, uh, you know, his bigger seasons are more experienced teams. And, you know, although I think he runs a solid program, I, I think he's more of a contender on years that he has a lot of experience. And and the reason why that's, you know, you know, I, I guess the reason why that is is because he puts a lot on his team Um and he's not one of those coaches that's a that's a micromanager coach. You know, so sometimes you know coaches that have whether they have experience or, or, or not, some coaches do better with less experienced teams because they're such a micromanager that with the less experience you have, you know, the more of a blank slate those guys are. And then you know sometimes they coach their way out of uh, their most more experienced teams winning. So David Shaw is definitely the opposite of that. And uh, this and this coaching analysis is brought to you by. Uh, a and E mortgage. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, Josh. One other thing I want to push back against uh, Oregon a little bit is ju- just the idea. You know, they have in a, you know pretty much an entire coaching staff turnover. And if you remember, you know, during the beginning of an off season workout, there was some turmoil going on there. They had even turnover after the turnover. Um, after uh, you know, honestly, mo- honestly, I didn't think they would last. Truthfully. After that, I thought they were all done after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they had, you know, players hospitalized because of workouts and things like that. So, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, but expectations still very high for um, Willie Taggart in Oregon. Um, the other uh, the other team to have a new head coach in the league this year is Cal. Uh, they hired Wisconsin defensive coordinator Justin Wilcox, but they have a giant rebuild in front of them. Uh, they've got a, some talent on offense, uh, specifically Demetrius Robertson. Um, but even with a de- defense first guy like Wilcox at the helm, they're still going to give up a ton of points and a ton of yards. But, well, 
I know I know Wilcox is a defensive mind, but I got to be honest. Him hiring Tim DeRuiter as his defensive coordinator does not inspire much confidence in me. No, uh, that 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 makes two of us. Um, but let's talk talk dark horse um and you know the pirate is the spirit animal for this podcast um for a good reason um we we love mike leach uh, you and know his, my, and his spirit animal is a dark horse yes um sung by katie perry um but we bring you know, it all somehow somehow luke falk is still the quarterback at Washington State. I'm well, he's on, the, he's on the Evan Ashmeyer track. I, I was going to say he's the football version of Aaron Kraft. Um, <laughs> he's just never going to graduate. Um, he's already got um, nearly 11,000 yards in his career passing. And even without some of his top targets like Gabe Marks, um, he's still going to sling it around for close to 5,000 yards this year in the Pirates' air raid offense. Um Fortunately for him, though, even though he does lose some weapons on the outside, they've still got a great offensive line. Uh, you know, most notably tackle Cody O'Connell, um, who you know will be protecting his blind side. Um, the defense last year, you know, and over the last couple of years, has taken some big steps forward. Uh, last year, they were 50th in total points allowed uh, overall in the country. Which, if you think about where Washington State was, even as recently as uh, 2014, when they could barely crack the top 120. That's a big, big uh, improvement. Um, they, uh, their coordinator, Alex the Grinch, who stole Christmas, uh, <laughs> still needs to have his players keep forcing turnovers. But um, they should be able to do that, especially if they can get, keep getting some pressure on the quarterback, led by defensive end Hercules Mata'afa, um, who is captaining, captaining the Pac-12 all-name team. Um, if their defense can improve uh, to, you know, a place where they're in sort of, you know, that 30 to 40 range in terms of national ranking points allowed, they could really upset the apple cart, not just the apple cup, but the entire cart, um, and walk away with a division title. Um, and Oregon State is an entirely forgettable team. Um, Gary Anderson uh, could be on the hot seat if they are not able to, um, you know, build on the momentum that they had at the end of last year. The Beavers get Colorado State and Minnesota in non-conference. Um, they have USC as one of their crossovers, so it is going to be tough sledding uh, for the Beavers. Uh, but. Um, for me though, I'm going a little off the map in terms of my offensive player of the year. I was going to say one thing about Oregon State though that I do like is they did show some growth last year, and I think Ryan Nulls a really solid running back. I was looking at their schedule. I think matching four last year's four wins is likely. The question is really, can they knock anyone off in the league, or can they start? Even with a trip to Colorado State and hosting Minnesota, and they start the non-conference three and zero, and not be a sleeper contender. Right? You know, can't make that claim at all. But they could make a bowl game. It's not out of the realm of possibility. So I am curious to see what the Beavers do. Well. Um... You know, you, you are much more optimistic than I am when it comes to the Beavers. <laughs> um, my conference offensive player of the year. Why. Yeah, well, my, my conference offensive player of the year is going to be Josh Rosen from UCLA. I think the hype on Sam Darnold has reached a point where it's too much. 
Um, and he's going to come back to earth a little bit, especially if the offensive line cannot keep him up. Uh, my defensive player of the year, though, is going to be Porter Gustin from uh, outside linebacker at USC. This guy is an absolute physical freak. Um, he's originally from uh, Salt Lake City area. Um, he's about 6'4", 270, but, but runs, you know, can cover like a safety and pass rushes like he's Bruce Smith. I mean, he is an absolute beast. Um, and he, alongside his teammate Cameron Smith, uh, form probably the best one-two punch at linebacker in the country. But, uh, Coach, I'm curious what, uh, to see what uh, what you have to add here. Well, uh, as, as far as, like, conference players of the year, uh, I, I think Jake Browning is going to be the class of this conference. I, I really like Sam Darnold, uh, but I, I, I like what's around Jake Browning more, and I think he – showed a year ago what he has to offer. And I, I don't think any of that changes. You know, you, you look at, you know, you look at what, what he has around them, you know, they, they can, they can really get it done. And, uh, you know, as far as the, uh, you know, as far as the defensive player of the year, I kind of, I, I kind of agree with you there too. Is, uh, you know, I, I think there's some other guys that could, that could chip, uh, chip in. You, you have Cameron Smith, uh, you have Lowell Latui. You have your Hercules for the Fighting Pirates. And don't forget Vita Vea up at Washington. It's another guy to watch for defensive. Yeah, Vita Vea. Yeah, any of these defensive linemen that are going to go out and get sacks, and you know some of these more aggressive guys. I think Cameron Smith is going to have a million and a half tackles at USC. Azim Victor is somebody that you don't want to. You know that you don't want to sleep on as well. Yeah, the, um, the husky in linebacker. The, in, in the secondary, I, I think the best one of that group is going to be uh, Iman Marshall at, at USC. I saw him play in the Army Bowl, and uh, he looked really good in his one on ones. And he's a guy that can be a really special type player back there on the back end. But you know, o- overall, I think uh, you know, I think I'm gonna have to settle on Vita Vea as your uh, conference defense player of the year. Uh, I just think that because Washington is going to clean up on this, on this uh, conference, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, your, your players of the year are going to have to come from that team because that's what it's going to take. And, uh, you know, in the conference championship, that's where Jake Browning will win the uh, player of the year over Sam Darnold. I think it's going to be a tight race, but I think that game's going to be the difference. All right. Uh, three hosts, three different picks. I actually have Sam Darnold, offensive MVP, and uh, Azim Victor, my defensive player there. All right. All do, right. We agree, do we agree on coach? I have Chris Peterson. I have Washington living up to the hype and repeating as champ. Therefore, I have him winning coach of the year. Yeah, um, I, I do too. Um, I, I've got Shaw. Um, I, I've got, I've got David Price. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh man, listen, if he can win the Cy Young and the Pac-12 coach of the year in the same season, that'd be pretty impressive. <laughs> be a new record or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that I'm sure someone has done something similar before, but, um, you know, uh, David Shaw though, still for me, uh, he's still the man, uh, there in, you know, in the Pac-12 North, but obviously Peterson is, um, I believe the was last year's national coach of the year and rightfully so. And, you know, yeah. following that up, is going to be, you know, it's going to be tough. It's always tough to get back, but they've got the talent. Washington is, 
you know, a, a truly, you know, is, is a program that is, you know, they're, they're definitely not a flash in the pan. They are, they are here to stay. So they should be fun to watch. The Pac-12 North is going to be an absolute bloodbath for those top four teams. So I'm very, very intrigued to see who is going to come out of it. So um, any, any final thoughts here on the Pac-12, Josh? Oh, boy. I mean, we've covered everything. I was just going to say, uh, I think both Arizona coaches stand a good chance of getting fired. Yeah, I, I think that both Arizona coaches are going to get fired. And I think that um, if if they don't if, – if if they are worse than eight and four, um, I think Jim Moore Jr. is gone as well. I, I, think, the most, I think the most intriguing pick, uh, the most interesting – Situation to look at is Jim Moore Jr. I, I I'm not I won't be surprised if the if the uh, if Bluetooth gets gets fired. Um, <laughs> although he he uh, he I think he listened to our show because he switched to a regular headset. So um, now one, once you get a nickname on our show, that's your nickname forever. So Todd Graham's never living that down. No 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 I agree there. He will never live it down. But I, I think he's trying. Well, I, trying he, to he can try all he wants, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not going to help. It, you know, the, the Arizona State team is still just Nikhil Henry and then everyone else. Yeah. He, did, he did turn over defensive play calling, which, uh, I mean, frankly, calling a blitz every down last year was completely idiotic. So maybe there's a between slim and none chance that Arizona State's defense actually is competent. Competent, no, but uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe like what, what, whatever the notch below serviceable is, um, like um, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere between me- mediocre and quasi serviceable. Uh, yeah, I don't. We. I'm, I'm sorry, my 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 Roger's thesaurus is not is not handy at the moment. So. <laughs> um, I, I think on that note, we're gonna end our Pac-12 preview, um, and be back with the American Conference next. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.